0: Deep. put it in deep
1: get out cheered in your own barn by ranger fans every time the rangers play the islanders in long island you losers yeah you losers bunch of losers (laughs) you know what do you mean who was that i never heard that you didn't hear that no oh my god dude that okay so that's sean avery
0: okay Mm -hmm. i thought i recognized the voice
1: right but you didn't see what he posted no I didn't oh my goodness I no. didn't even talk to you about it before we no. started recording because I obviously figured you, you saw figured it figured I saw it no yeah. I didn't yeah okay see it. so basically let me tee it up for you then Avery is just standing on the sidewalk uh, in New York I'm assuming wearing one of those like crazy big you know hats I don't know I kind of like what Jim Carrey wore on the mask oh yeah one of those and he just holds his phone out and records himself Bitching at the Islanders. I mean, I cut it up. Just so, giving like, his take. I edited it. I'll have to check that out. You have to check that out because it's much longer than that. But yeah, he's pissed. He's super pissed. I mean, like, it's not too many times I, like, find myself agreeing with Sean Avery's He's a bit, of a bit of a goofball himself. But he was bang on. He went on to say that, uh, you know, he Taveras gave uh, nine good years of his career to that dump <laughs> pretty good stuff so definitely check that out um maybe i'll I'll try and get it uh, posted on the twitter feed so if our listeners uh, haven't checked it out they'll be able to as well but yeah welcome back uh, to the podcast it's uh, pucks and deep podcast episode 24 and we're rolling right along here adam lesko josh coleman you find us on twitter at coleman 42 as myself uh been a little bit more active as of late but all that means is that I'm getting in fucking arguments with people. <laughs> like that's not what I want. I, I don't want that to happen. I just stop wanna... being so goddamn confrontational. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even the one that's confrontational. I just respond. Like I well, not You, stay you respond
0: with... to the fucking keyboard warriors. That's I why guess, you yeah. get into it with those guys. Yeah,
1: I guess. So at Coleman Forty Two, you can follow my bullshit, and uh, at let Go Adam, he does a lot more of uh, you know general tweeting and whatnot, which I think is what it's supposed to be used for. But. <laughs> You know how the world is with social media. And, of course, you can find the show's uh, podca- or uh, Twitter handle at PuckPod. That's at PuckPod, and you can uh, follow along there. And we're hoping uh, maybe throughout the playoffs, the spring, and if not into the summer months, but we're hoping that we might be able to start developing some sort of Twitter contest uh, for the listeners out there. Maybe we'll have, like, uh, some free swag or some shit coupons or something like that uh, that we can throw out to some of our uh, local listeners. I know we have uh, the majority of our listeners are here in town. I think let's go in Petawawa, Pembroke uh, area. We do see, um, I do see a lot of, uh, what am I saying here? Like a presence from the United States whenever I look at our uh, pod statistics on a weekly basis. So that's pretty cool. I don't know if the guy from the States or the girl from the States is going to want to, you know, a fucking, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what to say. I was gonna say play it against sports, but I can't because he, Greg. No you gotta, free shout-outs. Yeah, Greg. You got no, no free shoutouts. <laughs> it could be you. I hope it is, but so far, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, so uh, get us on, uh, hit us on Twitter, and uh, as always, I was talking to somebody earlier about this. Um, you got to help us grow the brand. Uh, a friend of mine was uh, tuning. He's tuning in. He Was asking, you know, how it's going, and, and I was saying it's going pretty well, but we'd like to see just a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, growth, I guess. So, like, we're, we're doing our best trying to get it out there on social media and whatnot, but we can't force people to listen to it. Maybe you can, maybe you can, uh, force your friend to listen to it. And then he ends up liking it, tells his brother who tells his dog walker who tells their neighbor, and away we go. We got something famous. Let's go. We're rolling, we are rolling. So, listen, uh, before we really dive into it, um, I think it. I think it's really important on a day like today. Let's go uh unfortunate news coming down uh, this morning that uh Ted Lindsay, former uh, NHLer, great um died uh died today at the age of 93 and apparently he died uh in his Michigan home. Um so it sounds like it was a a bit of a comfortable passing, so to speak, um not sudden or unexpected. Uh, But yeah, born in Renfrew, I actually never knew that. I didn't know that either. And I I saw an interesting
0: story somebody posted today that his dad actually played for the Renfrew millionaires uh, when they uh, beat Montreal Canadiens in their first actual Montreal Canadiens hockey game.
1: January 10th. In uh, Renfrew as well. Where do I have that? I had that down here somewhere. January 10th, 1910. Yeah. In Renfrew, seven years before the birth of the NHL in what was the... Montreal Canadiens' official first hockey game. Not like in the NHL or whatever, because that was seven years prior, but their first official game. And how about that, Lesko? Because the Montreal Canadiens are, without a doubt, the oldest franchise, the oldest existing franchise, like even before the birth of the NHL was around. Yeah, they're older than the NHL. Themselves. They're older than the NHL. And so is the so are the Renfrew millionaires. We can have a goddamn NHL team right up the road here. I mean, we kind of do in Ottawa, but like, I mean a real NHL team.
0: <laughs> Not still a team. <laughs>
1: so, um, listen, yeah, I, I didn't know that about uh, Terrible Ted. The other thing, uh, one of the other important things that I didn't know about him, maybe you did, I didn't know that he began the tradition of skating around the ice with the cup. Did you know that too?
0: I didn't know that. I I think I had heard it at one time or another, but it didn't stick with me for whatever reason. But what a what a cool claim to fame, yeah. kind of thing to have have to your name because it's now it's like a customary part oh, of selling.
1: Oh, it is the selly, yeah. Right. So, like, I was watching something earlier today. Of course, when when news like this comes down, obviously articles and videos are abound uh, on the internet. So, I was watching one of the videos, and he was actually explaining why he did that. And he was saying, listen, I, did, I wasn't like trying to start some sort of, you know, grand tradition or something like that. He said, I just saw the cup sitting there and I wanted to share the experience with our fans. And it was just sitting on the table. So he skated over and grabbed it and then took it over to the boards and was like holding it up, you know, for the fans to see. So it's 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 obviously evolved. The The fans or the players skate around and they do show it to the fans. But I mean, like, way way back in the day they used to like hold it up and the fans would reach over the glass and touch it when there was
0: like you know a foot of glass or yeah. you know no Cades glass or yeah. cage or, or, or the cage yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so i thought that was really cool and then the last thing which ended up be, be basically making this a hat trick of things i didn't know about the guy i didn't know that he was a major major contributing factor one of the founding fathers of the players association
0: yeah i think that's why uh, you you really saw an outpouring of uh of uh, messages and support from uh, current and former NHLers uh, just acknowledging the greatness. And I thought it was cool to see even players who had a cup of coffee with the Detroit Red Wings had an opportunity to meet the guy. That's how active he was as an alumnus in the organization. Apparently he was always present uh, at the games. He was coming to see the teams after games and uh, really stayed active uh, up until his death uh, in, uh, in among the Red Wing locker room.
1: Well, it's such a storied franchise to be a part of. And of course, um, one thing I learned as well today that when I was looking through his statistics, I noticed that there was a, a pretty sizable gap there. Um, I guess three years, I believe, when he was traded from Detroit to Chicago. And the actual reason for that, Lesko, and I don't I don't want to dive too, too much into this because I don't have an article in front of me or anything like that. But basically the the, the point, the gist of it was the rumbling was that he was attempting to create some sort of union and you know what happens when union yeah, talk later when union talk starts yeah so calculator. yeah so it was actually the current coach or the the then coach of the uh, Detroit Red Wings, which was Jack Adams, which is hilarious in itself because he it's the Jack Adams Award yeah, for the yeah. Coach of the Year. We'll get to some award talk in a moment. But yet Jack Adams said, no, fuck you. You're not creating some sort of players' union to fight back against the owners. And yeah. I guess at that time, the coaches would have been more... Uh, with the owner. You know, oh, right? absolutely. As of right now, where would you put the coaches? Probably a little bit more with the players. I, I think. would
0: think so. Yeah. Right? There's a lot more between the coach and the owners now in terms of the sizes of these organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So,
1: so Jack Adams basically said, uh, you want to start a, a union, a players association, fucking go do it somewhere else. So they traded him away mm-hmm. and it was literally a situation where they were like, we're trading you to, to hurt you. Like not hurt you physically, but like hurt you emotionally. Like, yeah, I you, yeah, get you out of here. Get fuck you. You're gone.
0: Yeah, that's, so, a, that's that a was tough interesting. Goal.
1: Yeah, that is a tough go. And then he ended up coming back. Let's go. He retired uh, after his third season in Chicago. Then he came back for I believe it was the 1964 season, and I'm just sprouting that off the top of my head because I think I heard it uh, on the radio as I was driving home. But yeah, what an interesting uh, turn of events that was. I mean, the guy basically gets chastised by his coach way back in the day for trying to start what is now the NHLPA and uh Geez, maybe if he never did it, we wouldn't have any lockouts. Last I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna honor uh, we're gonna honor him with a
0: lockout there next year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> In Terrible Ted's honor, we're gonna have another terrible lockout. Yeah,
0: uh, uh, I guess going over his career numbers though, uh, which were interesting: thousand sixty eight games played, three hundred seventy nine goals, four hundred seventy two assists, with eight hundred and or sorry, that's a total of eight hundred fifty one points with eighteen hundred and eight pims. So we find out pretty quick where he uh, they came up with the name Terrible Ted. And one of the best uh, quotes that I saw um, that kind of seemed to sum up uh, that whole nickname is uh, they said that he basically played against everyone like they owed him money.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> fantastic. Eh? Like, And it just makes so much sense, though, because obviously I didn't watch the games. I mean, we're talking about the fucking 40s, 50s, uh, well, I guess into the, the 60s. the 60s, yeah. One season into the 60s. But, like, I... You see a lot from the old highlight film. Uh, you hear a lot of, you know, radio calls from, I guess, back then. Well, who would it have, have been? Danny Gallivan way back? is that No, that's still, I don't even remember. You're going way too far yeah, back for most of us. Back. Anyhow, um, you know, you, you can just hear it and you see it in the old clips. Like, the guy was just a fucking bad out of hell out there but he was also gifted offensively like yeah well well, well-rounded
0: player and and you know how difficult it was being a a talented player in that era because of how rough and tough the game was and how shitty the equipment was to protect you yeah Um, a good insight into that era is is uh the rocket if anyone's ever seen that movie it's a phenomenal movie and it also kind of lends credence to the idea of starting the pa because a lot of these guys Made jack shit when playing in the NHL. Like if oh, you, had if to you have see that jobs. movie, fr- fucking Maurice Shar goes to the night shift at the production plant. You know, <laughs> after playing for the Montreal Canadiens, scoring four or five goals. Yeah,
1: and they know him at the plant. But then, then there he's a nobody, really. I mean, not that he's a nobody, but and at that mo- at that moment of his life, you know, he's just a regular Joe. I don't yeah. mean. I don't mean to say that people who work at plants are nobodies. I just mean like we don't know who those guys are. That's but right. We know who the NHL players are. Yeah. I mean, imagine going down to fucking Metro to get some milk right now and having your groceries get bagged up by Mitch Marner. Yeah. <laughs> you never. You'd never see such. A <laughs> I mean, thing. He wouldn't look out. Place. Wouldn't even be possible. He wouldn't either. look out of place down there though. <laughs> oh, that's like Yeah. A total high school. Yeah. Job, you right? would think it was some. Yeah. Ki-
0: some kid there working. Uh. Working part time. So.
1: So you mentioned your favorite part there was about the money. My favorite uh, quote that i that i came across today was the fact that i can't remember who it was um i I actually tried to dig up the exact tweet that i saw to identify the player but it it was a player from way back in the day and i didn't recognize his name that's why i don't remember but his response to hearing about the death now obviously it wasn't a situation where he said oh good you know (laughs) but after the discussion was had he, he said i hated That son of a bitch. (laughs) And that's what I said to you today before we went to air. I was like, only a guy like Ted Lindsay could have something so horrible said about him on the day of his death and have it actually be like a respectful thing to say about the guy.
0: Yeah, because you're more talking about how he was like as a hockey player. And for a lot of players, even today, I mean, their job is to... Get under the opponent's That's right. skin.
1: Actually, um, a, like a follow-up quote from the same gentleman was every team and every player would love to have him on your squad.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we talk about that all the time. We talk about that with a bunch of guys that everybody hates uh, or they love to hate. Is the is the term I guess right the Brad Marshans of the world mm-hmm. the former players like Darcy Tucker Chris Neal you know guys that everyone hated them except, except their for their fan own teammates base. yeah and their fan base loved them and that's the way it's always going to be with guys that do that uh, as a job so yeah uh, congratulations on a phenomenal career and obviously a, a phenomenal life uh, for for Ted Lindsay. Aged ninety three, let's go. And yeah,
0: you can't uh, overstate the uh, the impact the guy had on the game and the NHL and and really everything. So uh, it's good to take some time to talk about him. And because uh, you know, in most contexts, especially if you're a younger fan or even just a casual fan, the, the only way you might have heard his name is the award that's been named after him, right?
1: Right. And actually, that's a good segue because we want to talk about the uh, the award individually. So the Ted Lindsay Award, voted most outstanding player. Uh, in the NHL as voted by his peers. So a little bit different than the Hart Trophy. We'll talk about that later as well. The Hart Trophy is the most valuable player to his team
0: as voted by
1: the as voted Professional by the Writers Association. Writers, yes, yeah. the Professional Writers Ho- Professional Hockey Writers Association, the PHWA, which I learned today uh what that what that acronym means or is that an acronym? Yes. It That's is, right? An acronym. Okay, so uh, the Ted Lindsay Award. This is the award that I believe that I would want to win. Like if you said, Okay, Josh, we're gonna give you either the heart or the Lindsay. You get to choose. I would want the Lindsay because it's my it's my my opponents, my peers, the guys that I play against every night out there on the ice. They get asked, Hey man, who's the best player in the league? Connor McDavid, yeah. Okay, sounds good. So we'll give the Ted Lindsay to Connor McDavid. Then we'll give the fucking Hart Trophy to to what Nikita Kucherov because he plays on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now I, I, he's amazing, Glasgow. He's a fucking amazing. He'd be getting points anywhere, but I don't know if he'd be getting McDavid points on the Oilers.
0: Yeah, I guess that that makes it hard to uh, hard compare, to lead, right? right? Hard to compare. And, 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 and do I you think, think that Kucherov
1: it's... would be getting, or excuse me, do you think that McDavid would be getting Kucherov points if he was on Tampa?
0: You would have you fucking to bet so. your ass he would You bet he would
1: He'd probably have more
0: Yeah absolutely
1: So you can hear my emotion right now Because I'm getting fired up I don't like <laughs> this I did not like I did not like last year When they Left Connor McDavid Off the nominees list They didn't even fucking nominate him And he led the league in points How do you not nominate the guy That led the league in points Their response Well he didn't make the playoffs Okay so now let's look at this year Lesko, why don't you just give me a couple of guys in the NHL right now that are fucking unreal? What, or that are they the front runners? No, no, I don't care about that. The, just for for yourself. Who's unbelievable? Connor McDavid, obviously, is one yeah, of those guys. David
0: Kucherov, Fine. Patterson, Goudreau. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, another one.
1: You know, so you're telling me now that we can't nominate Patrick Kane for the Hart Trophy. Now, let's let let's call a well, spade. Well, they
0: certainly can, and I'm sure they
1: receive votes. No, no, no. Oh, well, votes to be nominated. Correct. Yeah, yeah. but when the final 3 are determined. Mm-hmm. And let's 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 call a spade a spade here, man. I know the argument is kind of for not because Kucherov is winning. He's running away with it and he will win the award. But the, my point isn't about who's going to win the award. My 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 problem I have right now is how we nominate the award. First and foremost, why are the following awards nominate the nominations for the following awards determined? By the writers of the n h l the Calder, the Conn Smythe, the Hart, the Norris, the Selkie, the Masterton, and the Lady Bing, all of those awards are for are, are by the writers. The only two that aren't are the Ted Lindsay, which is n h l players, and the Vesna, which is general managers, like did they just fucking flip a coin? I have no idea did how they rock they ever paper scissors? that. Um, I don't know, I think
0: when it comes down to the heart too it's it's that it's that most valuable to his team interpretation that can be interpreted in in any number of ways like you always this debate is always held, and uh the same debate that we're kind of having right now is uh you know why is it that the guys who don't make the playoffs always get the short end of the stick when it comes to voting and I think it comes down to how you apply that interpretation of the criteria because how much value have you demonstrated to the team if your team's not making the playoffs? How much, um, how much impact? But that's a that's one segment of it, though, because if now we have the the stats in our face all the time to show us that Connor McDavid factors in on over fifty percent of the Oilers' goals.
1: Most important so to it, his team, isn't that a good measure of of impact to the to the team? Right? I think they should just eliminate the "to his team" thing because it's really ambiguous. I guess it, it could be, really but then is. I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess you still. Have, then you have a similar criteria to the Masterton, but then it's voted on by two different parties. So it's like here's the the writers' take on it, and here's the players' take on it.
1: Right, which which I'm okay with that. I'm much happier with that.
0: Right, than, so it's like a, it's yeah. like the players' MVP and the and the writers' MVP, and I think my maybe one of the reason why the bulk of the awards are. Um, uh, voted on by the writers as opposed to say the players is that you'd be surprised how many NHL players actually aren't too in tune what's going on beyond their their front door. I agree in terms yeah. of the NHL, like they yeah. might not have a good read on on who's doing what anywhere. Yeah, um, you have those players who are not to say that they're not fans of the game necessarily, but they're a lot, a lot more closed off than say, and it's hard to believe to say that you know you or I might follow the league more intensely. Uh, than than uh, an NHL hockey player,
1: sure, Adam Lowry. Like, yeah, you so know, yeah, you pick so anybody. Got,
0: yeah, so you've got like uh, you've got the writers, you know, who might have a, a wider perspective on what's yeah, going on. I it's think, their job, right? I
1: think that's a great point, point. and I'm not discrediting the Writers Association from being able to determine who wins the award. Like when 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 a choice is made and I'm watching the award ceremony, or or I'm seeing it on Twitter, so-and-so wins the so-and-such-and-such award, I am not going, oh my god, the writers are fucking so dumb. I'm not blaming the writers. I don't care about that. What I care about at the end of the day is consistency. I want some consistency. And if I see a player, namely Kane, nominated for the award... This year, because who are we gonna who are we going to nominate here? Five of the top eight scorers right now in the NHL are not in a playoff spot as we speak.
0: Yeah, which which is a lot, probably one of the more challenging situations we've seen. Because, like we said, those players, uh, because of the impact on the team and how the team actually performs, seems to uh, weigh much more heavily on this.
1: So, uh, in theory, then that would leave. Kucherov, well, Kucherov winning the award with Johnny Goudreau and Sidney Crosby being the other two nominees,
0: which is kind of perfect, actually. Does that
1: make Ovi a dark horse? Well, Ovi's way down, though. Ovi's he's way down. He's only got 75 points.
0: Yeah, but he's got, what, 40, 40 goals, so... Yeah, he's yeah, gonna, well, you know, he might, him might hit 50 fucking, again, give him the right? fucking rocket, so, then. Yeah, well, the rocket then. don't have to give it to him. He's
1: going to take it. To <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, good point, good point. But, like, the the difference there is fine with me because you've got Nikita Kucherov at 106 points, then you've got Johnny Hockey and Sidney Crosby, both at 83. That's a fine slate of nominations. Mm-hmm. But what I have a difficulty understanding here is that you've got 40-goal scorer Patrick Kane with ninety four points, like he's he's right there behind Nikita Kucherov. He's he, way ahead of Johnny Goudreau and Sidney Crosby.
0: And he still may play his way into the conversation. I mean, he's he's already doing it. You have to figure. But they have to make some playoffs. guys have such good. Um, such good seasons it makes it too hard to ignore right
1: well they ignored it last year with Connor mcdavid they did yeah so then they have to ignore it this year with patrick kane otherwise i'm gonna be fucking pissed at the writers but
0: maybe with this many this many high scoring and high impact players being outside of the picture it might make them take a harder look at these uh non-playoff candidates
1: yeah good point actually i'm glad you brought that up because i don't even remember where it is but did I did I even put this somewhere in the uh, Well you
0: listed the players here that uh that right now are out of the playoffs and who are some of the top players uh point getters in the league and that right. was Kane, McDavid, McKinnon, Ranton and um, uh, you know, very obvious potential candidates. I think maybe the conversation is quieted around McKinnon McKinnon and Ranton oh, now definitely, that, yeah. that the Colorado's falling off and that line's fallen off a little bit. Um which is is funny to say because they were this was going to come sooner or later because the clip that they were scoring at was absolutely out of this world. I yeah. mean, it's nothing that's anywhere near to be sustainable. But some people might have said the same thing about Nikita Kucherov earlier in the season too. Yeah, I that's mean, true. Yeah. He's, he's on, on track to setting himself into like a whole new stratosphere, stratosphere that we've seen in the modern <laughs> yeah. era, yeah. along with the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they're doing right now. Uh, just tied the NHL record for the fastest to 50 wins, tying the 96-97 Red Wings, was it? Mm, or 95-96 sure. Red Wings. But anyway, if you have any memories of that Red Wing team, uh, aside from maybe the 0-2 squad, the Red Wing squad, it might be one of the best teams I've seen in my lifetime anyway.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that we're we're busting right into the lightning here because that's where um what or just earlier what I was like, "Oh, did I have it written in here?" I have it written in under the lightning because it's Nikita Kucherov, like you said already at 106 points. This is the tidbit that I wanted to bring up. It was only a couple only a couple a few seasons ago, Lesko, 2014-2015 season, when Jamie Ben won the Art Ross trophy with a paltry 87 points. Yeah. Yeah, 87 points. What, did Cooch have that, December?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of...
1: <laughs> Isn't that crazy?
0: It's really a demonstration of the, the uptick and we've seen in offense, in, uh, in particular in this season.
1: That was a bit of a one-off, I think, too, though. That's a pretty low number.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's and a really low number. Funny how that was. Um, I was watching that game that day. Because Me too. It was... Um, I was in it to the last day of my. Uh, it was the last day, day of the season, and I was. Uh, it was very tight in my hockey pool, and, and Jamie Ben pretty much single handedly won me the hockey pool. Oh, he did, along with me pulling a uh, Cam Talbot off waivers uh, when he was on his first real big run with the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes
1: sense. So, yeah, the um, what I wanted to what I wanted to point out on that Jamie Ben victory back in 2014-2015, which I thought was was interesting. Again, like you, I was watching it live. So Tavares took a uh, took a lead into the final day. Uh, he had 86 points going into the final day of the regular season. So he had a three he had a three point lead over Jamie Ben, who came into the final day with 83. Ben goes ahead, scores a hattie, and gets an assist with eight. Point five seconds left on the clock. Unbelievable. The assist with eight point five seconds left took the award away from from John Tavares. A four point effort. Uh, it's a pretty cool way to win it, um, even if that was the lowest points per game total uh, ever since nineteen forty seven. Yeah, that's that's outstanding. Like one point zero six points think per you'd, game. You would never think that. Like yeah, it. you're and, right.
0: And you could tell it had to have been in the back of his mind going on the ice that day. He's like, he's like, this is my shot here. Like I got to do it and. And and you know winning that award, too, helps you in those contract talks down the road, right? I mean, like
1: 8.5 seconds left, you get an apple yeah. on like a deflected goal in front because I think it was Cody Eakin goal or something. So you know it wasn't a beauty. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> right? off his leg or something so, into the net. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, let's just uh, keep the uh, Tampa talk flowing for a couple more minutes here. Um, I had a couple questions uh, for you. I'm basically just going to throw it to you, Lesko. Are they as good as the records say they are and a follow-up question or i guess an identifying question specifically as it as it pertains to the leafs which is where we have our focus is it just me or do we not match up extremely well against tampa and do we need to be as afraid of tampa should we hopefully see them in maybe round two
0: Now this is a topic that's been thrown around a lot, and I I do think they're as good as their record suggests, because especially in comparison to the competition out there, um, we see right now that there's what, four or five elite level teams are playing like elite level teams cup contenders. Uh, and then it seems to drop off kind of significantly from there. You've got a few middle, uh, middle, upper-tier guys, and then it's just like the rest of the league, essentially. Yeah, I agree. Um, but in, in regards to how they matched up with the Leafs, I mean, um, any for anybody who watched those games, the Leafs basically outplayed oh. them on both of those nights, and Vasilevskiy put on an, probably one of the better goaltending performances I've seen in years, in that in one years. game against the Leafs. It was insane. And I, I think the other uh, the other thing, just not from the eye test, but if you look at the numbers and uh, look at the forward depth, um, Tampa's a very deep team. they got four fast, skilled lines, and the Leafs have really taken that model and applied it in the way that they've built their team as well. And I think that's why they match up so much better against uh, Tampa Bay than, say, uh, uh, you know, say, a Boston or something like that. Like I think the Leafs um, are the closest... And I've seen models to suggest that, that the Leafs are the closest um, opponent uh, that Tampa Bay could face in the playoffs. And I think the numbers were... Uh, they had a 59% chance, according to this model, of defeating the Leafs in a playoff series. But it was that was the highest... The Leafs were the highest team that had the best odds best of chance, defeating yeah. them in a best-of-seven like series. We, we
1: had 40% odds... But uh, Washington or Boston might have only had thirty-seven, even less.
0: Yeah, just a little bit less. Yeah, and league. it just goes down to how they match up offensively, uh, and that they're very similarly constructed teams. They're built around uh, you know three three elite forwards, uh, you know some decent defense, and a strong goaltender. Obviously, Tampa get uh, gets a huge ed- edge on deeper and probably more talented overall defense core. But okay. in terms of the forward lines and in terms of the offense, the Leafs have the ability to run four lines against Tampa Bay.
1: So you're thinking uh, a lot to do with roster construction, and I see another note from you here about analytics. So did you uh, have an opportunity to look into that at all, or is that just I didn't delve in too you? much
0: to the numbers, unfortunately. But I did, like I said, uh, reference that model that basically just uh, analyzed how Tampa. Uh, matches up against teams based on uh, roster construction. And that I was see. a post deadline article as well. So okay, that's factored good. Yeah, in the, that is good. The moves that were done, and I mean Tampa can tell you right away just based on their action in the uh, trade deadline of how confident they are in that group because they didn't do anything. Well, so are Unlike we. I mean, here we add
1: Nick Patan, big, yeah, who sniped on big, the big. I too. know, <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. So listen, the other thing I wanted to say on Tampa as it pertains to the Leafs before we move on. Um, I'm really excited that we played the Lightning just before Christmas and then just before the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Those are two important times in the season. Those are mail-it-in times. Yeah. Oh, it's almost Christmas. And they managed to, to show
0: in. up in those games.
1: Yes, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. like, it's not like we played them twice in October and one was really good and one was bad or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, you don't even know what you're getting in October. Let's be honest. Yeah. We we saw a good product mid-December and then another good product mid mid-January. Mm-hmm. So now we've skipped all through February. I don't know uh, if and when we play them again. I wish I had that in front of me. Um, actually, I, oh it's over there. Can't do it. Um, yeah, so my point is I'm looking forward to it. I'm not afraid of them. I don't know why. I'm, I'm less afraid of them than I am of Boston. Well, and, and I'm not even afraid of Boston I think either.
0: And we shouldn't be afraid of Boston. But, of course, that's where the... You know you see a lot of the hot takes and, and especially because of the way the standings are shaping up to be again it very well seems that that's going to be the case, but it's the history with Boston and it's the it's the physical aspect of Boston right It's the way Boston plays the game. I mean the Leafs are better in a head to head skill matchup than they are dealing with the shenanigans that the Bruins pull on a game in game out basis. And But you look at, back to what I'm talking about, you look at forward depth, Boston doesn't have it like Toronto has. Not even close.
1: It's not close.
0: Not even close. So the frustrating thing is when you see them get steamrolled in games like they had, a couple of their bad games this year came against Boston, the roster construction tells me they should be doing better. And that's why I think there's that stigma, like you said. There's that thought in the back of your head that it's like, I don't know about Boston. And even going into the playoffs this year, you know, it, Despite the Leafs' uh, forward depth and them being a better team, I think on paper today, you still think it's a a coin toss, that series. Because the playoffs, there's way more factors at play here, and a lot of them have to do with momentum and showing up for your home games.
1: Home games. You said it right there. It's got to be a home series for the Leafs.
0: Yeah, it absolutely has to be, and they have an opportunity to get it, and they completely took the first two games off last last year and still managed to push it to seven games. I mean,
1: like, look at what Boston is doing right now, man. Like, they are winning every fucking game they play right now. Well, they
0: knock off ten straight, including beating Tampa, and And, and snapping their win streak.
1: But, and they're still just barely ahead of us.
0: Without Pasternak.
1: One, no, what are they? Two points. No, three now. Yeah. Three points ahead of us after winning every fucking game in a month. Yeah. And we are, I'm not saying we're sputtering along. We've picked it up greatly uh, as of late with, our only loss in our last five games, of course, coming to the fucking Islanders in a real shit show effort that was. We'll get to that. Still fucking pissed off at Babs about that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, point is uh, it's coming right down to it, and I can't wait. We do have uh, – current playoff matchups we might be able to d- jump into that but let's uh let's keep this thing flowing let's go where you want to go next you want to talk about uh, local boy
0: yeah we got to talk about our local boy ty feliber finally officially signed the contract with the dallas stars
1: official that's right so you know i feel like this is one of those moments where that guy that released the article that said that the stars are expected to sign ty feliber for the last, how long ago was that? Oh, it's like,
0: it was a month. It three was when weeks. it was in Jamaica. So that was early February. So yeah, it's been yeah. Like, three to four weeks. Yeah, So right? three
1: or four weeks ago, this guy releases, yeah, it was Super Bowl weekend that that came out. So like three weeks ago, this guy releases uh, an article saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. So he's sitting on that for like almost a month. He's like, oh my God, man, I'm wondering what's going on. Or maybe he's like, no, 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 solid."
0: going to happen. Well, he must have had a good in, I inside know it's source. And, and then it happened. Yeah. So he's
1: either like really happy, you know, kind of uh, relieved because he was the one that stirred the pot there, uh, but he got it right. So cheers to him as a, as a reporter doing his thing. Yeah. Getting the news out there. But uh, yeah, congrats to, uh, Ty Feliber, he's going to head to, I guess he's going to report to the Texas Stars beginning, is that beginning next season? Last I'm week? not
0: sure. I didn't actually see what, what their plan for him was. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me, though, if he had an opportunity to to get in some games, uh, if if the if there is an opportunity, but it sounds like uh, the 67s are going to be going pretty deep here. So. Yes,
1: and I did hear in his interview that he said, first and foremost, I'm focused on a long, deep run here yeah absolutely yeah and, so and it was they're yeah, they're, they're not teeing taking
0: up it. for a big run here so i it wouldn't surprise me if they if they outlast the texas stars uh but he did make a few appearances i know uh with the ahl's laval rocket last year so it wouldn't surprise me for him to jump in there next season and uh, maybe even have an opportunity to crack the roster because uh you know despite i've been high on dallas for a number of years but you look beyond the ben sagan Radulov, there's not a whole lot going on there. So I think there's opportunities uh, for a young guy uh, to jump in there and maybe at least get some games hopefully next year.
1: Well, I think that's just it. I think that's one of the main reasons why there was a bit of a delay. Um, I think it was just really, and we talked about this before, right, when we, uh, when we talked about the initial report that he was expected to sign. It was important for him to make sure that he was going to, get into an organization where he might have a chance and not not only might have a chance to make an NHL club because that's obviously the ultimate goal, but I'm talking about might have a chance to have a, a top line or a top six a scoring role for their farm club. Yeah, I that's would've... the best decision that he could have possibly made.
0: Yeah, you're definitely looking at both rosters and how they're constructed just to see where you're going to slot in and you want to talk to the coaches. You want to see what they're you want guys to have a plan for you especially you know in a situation where you're coming off you know the peak of your junior career and you want to keep the ball rolling. You don't want to have any lulls or slowdowns so you want to make sure that there's opportunities and you're not going to get buried in the East Coast
1: League. So the I was just going to name off some of the guys that we might recognize on the Texas Stars, but their leading scorer, 45 points in 53 games, Eric Condra.
0: Well, it sounds like they're going to be starved for offense because we know Eric Condra's not heading to the NHL anytime soon.
1: <laughs> well, he was there once, and I don't know if he'll be able to get back. But So he's a right winger now. I see Ty is listed as a LW slash uh, center. So if we go down, we've got uh, Joel L'Esperance, For the Texas Stars, he's a centerman, 44 points in 50 games. Justin Dowling is another centerman. But yeah, like down the line here, there's an opportunity. The next left winger that, or the first official left winger that shows up on the board is Michael Mersch. Who has thirty three points in fifty games? Yeah, so Ty's got a chance. Yeah,
0: well, well, we'll definitely keep everyone posted on the Felber situation uh, while he makes that hopefully deep run uh, and hopefully makes a good play for the Memorial Cup with the sixty sevens, and uh, obviously uh, keep everyone up to date once he hits training camp ice. Uh, Come September.
1: Well, their pipeline is actually looking decent as far as two good prospects are concerned: Jason Dickinson and Rupe Hints. Rupe Hints, great name. By yeah, the way. yeah, that's a good handle. <laughs> that's a good handle. So it could be, you know, maybe down the road, us Pembroke uh, natives are going to be saying, "Hey, this is our guy. He's up there with Jason Dickinson and Rupe Hints and <laughs> Ty Felliber." Like, wouldn't that be a nice, uh, maybe a scoring line to get to get things going? for the Dallas Stars in the future. So yeah, congratulations Ty. I'm going to keep bugging you to come on the pod. So just come on. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted again. I said congratulate like when he retweeted his thing, right? Oh yeah. You know, I I, I responded back. I said uh, congratulations Ty. Open invitation yeah. on the Puck Pod uh for him to come on and 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 discuss his journey. So uh you know, we we'll, we won't hold our breath, but uh maybe we might be able to get him on at some point. Yeah, Do never valid. know. Where are we headed next? Uh, Stick
0: around in Ottawa because Ottawa just can't stop, man. They just want us to keep talking about them.
1: My buddy says, uh, well, why don't you just get like a fucking Senators podcast because all you do is talk about the Senators. (laughs) I said, man. Now we're getting chirped for it, I said, dude, literally all everyone is talking about these days is the fucking Senators. You can't stop talking about them. You can't even
0: keep up. It was funny when I saw the news break. uh, So I guess the news that we're bringing up today here is that the Senators – uh fired Guy Boucher somehow outlasted old Marty Raymond <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah that's despite
0: so his true. work on the the power player whatever yeah, but PK. uh and why this becomes such a story obviously coaches getting fired is a pretty big story um but right away my initial reaction is what's the point like why why did they do that right now like do they need more bad PR do they need to keep themselves in the headlines are, you know and it seems once again there's a negative reaction from the fans and I believe most things are going to um, elicit a negative reaction from the fans just because they've had it up to fucking here with Dorian and Melnick and the whole
1: team. You're goddamn right. They but have.
0: The, one of the more most interesting parts about this is what was it 48 hours previous Dorian says in the presser, no, we're gonna we're gonna review our options in the spring and knowing uh, everyone knows fully that Boucher's con- uh, contract was going to be up anyway
1: and. Bruce Garriock's, uh tweet. He's of course the Ottawa uh, beat writer. Well, one of the co- I guess I got a couple guys that 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 work down there because I know. Uh, or no, Sara What? Who does Saravelli? Uh, Edmonton. Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, no, no. That's on the Athletic. I think for TSN they go to Velli for Edmonton a lot. If I'm watching No, you don't recall. If I'm watching he's got a very distinguished distinguishable voice, Frank. Yeah, Cerebelli. and he looks
0: like he's like fifty, but apparently he's like thirty years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah,
1: he is. Look him up. Oh my He is, man. God. He's like our age. All right. Well, we'll get on Frank. We'll get on Frank Ceravelli later. Um sorry, Frank. Uh he's a big listener, so he'll be upset. What a beauty. No, but seriously, um Bruce Garriott went um on Twitter and updated the hockey world he said, uh, spoke to Pierre Dorian. The coach, Guy Boucher, did not get his seal of approval or what do they call that again? Uh, vote of confidence. Vote of
0: confidence. He didn't yeah.
1: get a vote of confidence. What he got was we're going to make a decision at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, which is basically like, yeah, you're probably out of here, but we're going to let you finish <laughs> yeah, out your year and yeah. not fuck your life up. Because
1: now what? They fucking bring in Mark Crawford. What is he doing there? What's what's his plan? I don't,
0: I don't think he has a plan because just like the rest of the organization, they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Oh,
1: my God. And it's interesting
0: because Mark Crawford, also known as a, a hard-ass old-school coach much like Guy Boucher, you can't imagine there's going to be much of a change in philosophy. And, you know, if I'm a coach in that situation and you know you're being hired as Guy Boucher's assistants, the assistants are only being kept around right now because somebody needs to coach this team the rest of the year.
1: I guess so. Because nor- I
0: mean, normally you clean house, right? But when you're firing mid-season, you can't really afford to do that.
1: Yeah, it just seems like, honestly, man, they, they just they can't do anything right. It's what I typed just, into the prep, and it's what I firmly believe. And it has nothing to do with my allegiance to the Leafs and our, you know, fucking confrontation. No, I thought we'd been pretty
0: fucking nice Fuck. to them throughout the season. Like, I've been – I think we've been – Taking it easy on Sense fans and we've been taking it easy on the team somewhat, but because this is just news. This, we're just regurgitating news half the news. time. I mean, I don't, do. even, I don't even have to come up with takes because the the news itself is so fucking entertaining. It is a take. You know, it's not me. Like I'm not <laughs> writing these stories. But I will give you my take on the the news that leaked out that allegedly Dorian met with the players oh, yeah. Friday morning before letting him go and said, This is unacceptable and no more excuses. What is unacceptable? That a team with no fucking players can't win a hockey game is getting shellacked every night?
1: So I traded away our top three scorers, and you're playing like shit. No more excuses. No
0: more excuses, guys. What excuses? Because <laughs> there's a pretty big excuse right now, and it's that the majority of the team belongs in the AHL.
1: Like, we played together competitively. Remember our team? It was a good team. Yeah. What if they took away our three best players? Exactly. What's going to happen to that Pembroke team? A whole, con- a whole pile of excuses. <laughs> oh, there'd be some fucking excuses. We might get a little more <laughs> playing time, which would be okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But let's be honest, man. We would not win any games. No, of course not. We wouldn't win any games. they take away all of our talent that we had growing up. They're no there's fucking more time.
0: excuses now than there yes. were when they were losing previously. That's
1: what I'm getting at. So yeah. we played, they take anyone out there that, that that's listening, you're listening to a podcast, you probably played some sports or I don't even know if you're on a fucking debate team. If they take away your best three debaters, what's going to happen yeah. the next time you go exactly. to a debate like, thing? That's just some tone deaf Boom. shit Roasted. coming out of
0: Dorian. That's some tone deaf shit and You got to think that he couldn't be too happy to walk in the room and tell him that. So you got to think somebody's put, you know, Melnick's pushing him there with a fucking broom to send him in there to send a message to the the players. But I mean, I've heard of a room getting lost by the coach. A fucking organization's going to lose that room if this doesn't keep up. And it looks like they already had because they've they've lost a number of players. Most simply comes down to when we mentioned last night that they didn't want to fucking sign there.
1: They don't want to sign there. Why the fuck would they want to sign there? It's a little bit different if you're talking about a rebuild, and let's be honest here: the senators make sure that everyone. Yeah, the
0: rebuilding Ottawa Centre is, is what they—they just change the team name to. Apparently. They should change
1: the building to the Canadian Tire Rebuild Center, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> because everything they say or write has to yeah, be. They got to pl- remind plastered everybody. Plastered with the word yeah. "rebuild,"
0: and like this is still a teardown, obviously, because now we know the coaching staff's going to get totally remade. Uh, as well, probably with a focus on developing younger players.
1: They have no, they have no future as far as the building is concerned. They have no idea what's going on there. Now, now, li- listen. You're going to say to me, or someone's going to say to me, yeah, but you know what? Edmonton didn't have a very good uh, outlook as far as their building was concerned either. And while that is a strong point, they have the new Wayne fucking Gretzky on their team, so I think it's okay if the Edmonton Oilers struggle a little bit with trying to determine if the city is going to fund it or if the taxpayers are going to pay for it. You know, at the end of the day, all the dust settled and the shovel went in the ground and they built McDavid's building. Now with the Senators, there ain't no shovel. They're talking about building the, they're talking about developing LaBreton Flats with a fucking hole in the ground where the rink will go simply because of the fact that Eugene Melnick will not be a part of the deal if it goes to LeBreton Flats. So some third party is going to come and build a fucking rink and just hope that Eugene sells yeah. the team,
0: or they leases like, it off him, or yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. fine. You yeah. know, which is definitely not going to happen. Somebody's going
0: to make some money so off him. So
1: now they just spent the last like five to six years complaining openly to not only to the NHL but to to, to the to the world that the team needs to move. So they've been getting everyone, everyone get on board with this fucking train. It's it's going downtown. Everyone get on board with the train. We're going downtown. And then the fucking train is off the rails. Can't get downtown. Where right. does everybody go? They have to go back to the CTC with their tail between their legs and spend probably $100 million in upgrades to the arena. Yeah, they just tarp the fucking seats. There's
0: not a chance they're going to put any more money in that building. No, but no,
1: no, no. They have to. Well, you could no, say that, but I just no, 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 I think no, they're going to
0: hold off for a deal.
1: Let's look at it from an economic perspective, though. If they were going to build the LeBreton Flats deal, it's not going to be—they're not going to be in that building probably for another three years, maybe four. Okay, so now if we've postponed the deal being struck. We're fucking seven, eight years away from them actually playing a hockey game downtown.
0: No, you definitely hope that's not the case. But uh, again, and we've said this previously, I love the location of the rink because yeah, it's course. way closer to us. Yeah, <laughs> of course.
1: But like, I mean, my thing about spending money at the CTC, that's coming from, uh, fuck, who did they have on? They had someone really, really good on That's 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 been followed. Oh, free. it was Friedman. Friedman's been following this. I mean,' it's, it's a big story, right? So the insiders are following it. That was Friedman that was that was saying, like, listen, it's a real strange scenario because you you've been you've been promoting the relocation of the arena to downtown for so long. And just like that, now you have to change your song and dance. Change your narrative. Change, change your story. narrative to hey, come back down to the CTC because it's a great building. And we just did this and we just added these. Come and check out the brand new this. That's what they have to do now because they have to get people excited to go. Yeah. And no one is going.
0: No, of course not. What are you going to see? That's the I can thing. get
1: I can get tickets to the blues game in three days for eighteen dollars.
0: Yeah. It's not surprising at all. It's going to be even better next year where it probably be even lower.
1: And we just bought Leaf tickets for 150
0: 150
1: bucks. And that's actual face value. Yeah. Versus the same ticket for $17. Those, those are probably levels. the only
0: tickets that won't come down and value that. And the Montreal tickets, maybe uh, give or take you know, Edmonton or Tampa or something like that. But
1: they hate us so much, we keep their fucking team in Ottawa. Keep them in
0: business, man. <laughs> 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 ah, we fucking keep them in business. We keep them in business.
1: Fuck, <laughs> all right, listen. Talking about business... Let's switch over uh quickly here. Uh, what do we got? We got 50 minutes. So we're, we're we're doing all right. Let's uh let's end uh this first segment here on the uh business side of things. The G- general manager meetings, the annual GM meetings in Boca Raton, Florida going on today through Wednesday. Um I've got a couple things I want to talk about. Let's go. Anything sticking out for you?
0: Uh, Just one of the more interesting things that I heard Friedman mention on the 31 Thoughts podcast was the idea of having clocks in the corners of the boards. doesn't seem like it would be a major hurdle, but apparently the hurdle is ensuring that every – the standardization of it, ensuring that every building has it, can put it in the same spot, spot, and we have a level of consistency and the visibility of it so that it's visible but not distracting. And it's also – we're talking about ad space here as well. So that's another aspect of it because if you're selling an ad space on prime board location, but all of a sudden it's got a clock in it, well, you're not going to get as much money for that.
1: No, but here's what I was thinking about that. Would they not be able to entertain putting a see-through clock of sorts, like a digital clock just above the board's? Uh, like above the glass
0: just right above. are you talking about like the graphics they superimpose m- on broadcast no no of course like not the, the no no, no of course not
1: because they then the fuck how the fuck do the players see
0: okay it? so like some way in like real projecting life it onto the glass sort of thing yeah mm.
1: yeah or even just if it's like um i don't know like instead of using an all black device yeah. which clearly the fans wouldn't be able to see through that mm. just use clear and then just light the bulbs up mm. So of course, Are
0: you putting it on the glass that you're obstructing obstructing vision though? Well, just
1: right on top of the glass because they already have something on top of the glass. It's a little camera that fucking moves around.
0: Yeah. But so, if you want it to be visible enough for players on the ice to be able to see it.
1: Yeah, but that's fine. So just make the bulbs glow bright-ass red. Bright, bright red. We can see the goal light clear as fucking day and that's behind the glass. Mm-hmm. So now if we're talking about every rink, that way there's no debate. Where could it go? Oh, it's two feet over to the right. We can't have it be there. Everyone could just put a digitalized clock right in the middle of the boards at the top of the like at the top of the net. Yeah, you know, because I mean, at this point in time, it's not like we have to use an old ass clock. Like it's you know, it's twenty fucking twenty nineteen here. By the time this comes in, it'll be twenty twenty. It
0: sounds like it's be the biggest hurdle be exploring the technology and ensuring that you can that you can standardize it across the NHL. Um, The other topic, obviously, is the video review seems to be a constant uh, to- uh, topic at these meetings over the last little while uh, it sounds like it's good to hear that they're talking about it we don't really know if any if anything's gonna come of that um, I'm gonna say at this point in time it's unlikely that anything's gonna come of it or any news you know pending because it seems that the NHL has been pretty firm on uh, their belief that they like this and it's funny because they 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 have no problem changing a rule really quick. But then they, if, if when it comes to changing shit back or admitting it, it no. doesn't work, can't no. do it. No, looking forward got the blinders on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, listen, we have to do something about offsides, so we're gonna implement an offside review, and everyone goes, "Oh my god, amazing!" And then the offside review is fucking terrible, and they go, "Nope, it's fine. No, nope. it's fine. It's fine. You're lying. Yeah. You're 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 wrong. Yeah, everybody's wrong. We're right." We're yeah, we're barreling on. We're doubling down and <laughs> doubling down. We're yeah, doubling exactly. down and we're gonna add another video review. <laughs> like that would basically be the only way they could screw this up anymore. Yeah. Is to add another review. Um so you're right. There's gonna be uh there's gonna be some possible tweaks to come, at least discussions uh to be had for both offside and goalie interference reviews. So I like that. Um player safety consistency, I think that's important to note as well. Uh, specifically, as it relates to concussion prevention and concussion treatment.
0: Yeah, and if you're suspending guys like left and right and center like they are now, you gotta try and establish a better consistency in this because that's where you draw the ire of players, coaches, fans, the teams.
1: So, Saravelli uh, and LeBron were the two um, the two journalists that that I was reading uh, I was reading up on, and I thought they both had some pretty good looks. I wonder if guys like that. Talk to each other and they go, okay, listen, man. So we're both going to, we're both going to post an article, right? Um, Why don't you take these seven things and I'll take these five? Because strategically, the only one that they both talked about was the clock. So that one must be happening. That one's happening.
0: Yeah, they must think it's it's probably the most serious thing they're discussing yeah, right now. Yeah. it's it's interesting because they both uh, also work for two different organizations, right? They've well, got the uh, Lebron does make appearances on TSN, TSN radio yeah. and the panels and stuff, but he only writes for the Athletic now. I see. Yes, yeah. he yes, Sarah right. Valley writes for uh, for TSN. TSN, so. yeah,
1: but it's just weird because you know they're there.
0: Yeah, they're
1: probably golfing together. You yeah, know? oh yeah, and they're saying, okay, listen, man, uh, we we. I don't want to give you the clock on the board. It's like, it's too big. It's definitely happening. It might even be happening for playoffs. Okay, well, then we'll both take that one. You take this. I'll take that. Because Velli had some pretty interesting ones that I wanted to bring up. Um, so the roster, uh, the cap implications of roster players who are suspended. But that was really interesting. Did you end up – did you read the Cerevelli one? No, I actually okay.
0: didn't get into detail on this That's stuff That's fine. Yet. So I
1: can bring it to you real quick. So when a player is suspended, the cap hit still – hits for the team okay so when tom wilson was suspended for 14 games his cap hit still still mattered mm. so even though they put him on ltir or excuse me um it's it's different than when you put a guy on ltir right. you can't put tom there's no wilson. way there's no
0: way to shelter your team from the yeah. cap implications yeah exactly. i wonder if they would explore like if a guy suspended say 30 40 games something crazy uh to the point where he's going to be replaced for a long period of time Maybe they would offer some relief to teams, but you know, for small suspension stuff like that, you employ that guy, too bad. Yeah,
1: they did say you know, as it as it pertains to more lengthier suspensions, yeah, which so let's make say sense. north of ten games. They're wondering if they may like. one of the GMs was uh, shelving an idea that they actually treat the suspension the same as a as a long term injury, right? As an injury, yeah. which it makes some sense, which makes and sense, and I can yeah. see why
0: the teams would go for that because you are having to bring up a guy, and you know if you're you're talking serious suspension, like you know a big portion of the season, uh, you're going to be wanting to you know maybe acquire someone that's going to cost a little more than a call up from the A.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, a couple more uh, that I thought were interesting. Um, the the row tiebreaker. So this one I think is going to gain some steam. I have I was hearing it for a few from a few different uh, journalists. So the you know what the row is, right? The tiebreaker regulation and overtime wins. So they want to just change that to RW for regulation wins, and I couldn't agree more. Right, because. Just because you got to overtime means dick. It's not any less of a
0: win. It's not. It's still the same amount of points.
1: It is. Yeah. So now let's 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 quickly touch on that. I would love to see three-point regulation win. I would mm-hmm. love to see. It. I think it would change the dynamic of so much. I think you would have teams pulling their goalie in a time to get game. the
0: to get the regulation win late yeah. in late in the season,
1: not in January. And that might
0: be why teams don't want to because they don't want to be in that position. Yeah, true, losing uh, everything. But I mean, it, like, quite
1: the gamble that you're yeah. making.
0: Take the take the two for a potential overtime win or end up with zero. End up with you're zero. Right? Yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> so um, I thought that was a really a really cool change. I'd like to see it. Um, just because I feel like three on three overtime is just as gimmicky as the shootout is. It is definitely gimmicky because it's not
0: it's real not hockey, hockey. Essentially, yeah. it, but it's it's still insanely entertaining. Oh god, yeah, right? Like it, it, people are like the shootout's entertaining. No, three on three overtime is fucking. Yeah, entertaining, I totally right? agree. I totally. And agree. hey, if you want to make it four on four to make it closer to the to the actual game, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad about that. And because right now as it stands, it's like if you, whoever's the puck first sometimes wins in overtime because they put, they'll possess it for minutes. The whole, yeah, they're making minutes. changes while yeah. they're circling around the neutral Back to zone. the goalie even. Yeah, yeah, yeah just use to the keep goalie. possession.
1: Uh, so another couple of ones here, um, n- no, uh, no helmet warmups. So that's going to be addressed uh, this year. That's too bad. I know, I agree.
0: How do you think they, how do you think they get so many numbers there from the pregame warmups?
1: That's yeah, true. <laughs> but what about Taylor Hall's injury? Remember when he got that skate in the
0: face? Yeah, he got plunked. And guys, uh, who got hit in the head with a puck? Somebody skating around the net. Anyway, I can't remember, but that was a thing.
1: Like, so, you know, Hall got a pretty bad injury. That was, remember, like he had like a ton of stitches Mm -hmm. there? Yeah, so that was a tough one. But, I mean, that's a one-off. It doesn't happen very often. Um, So they're going to look into that. You know what else they're going to look into, which I think is interesting? The AHL helmet rule where when a player loses his helmet he's required to get the fuck off.
0: Oh, they do that as well cuz I knew that was the a thing a in international and um I believe in junior hockey as well. Yeah. So that'd be interesting but to bring no that. But
1: that's no fun either, man, because that there's, there's nothing like scoring without a bucket yeah. on
0: I can see from like a, you know, a player safety and in like insurance type situation like it absolutely makes sense to get yeah. the player off the ice. You don't want to interrupt play, but you, I think, if you're going to have such a rule, you know, it might actually make the players more inclined to wear their buckets properly and tighten up the chin strap. Yeah. So that might be a, a good way to push push the uh, proper equipment use in the right direction. Because uh, I guess a lot of the problem with that is that you guys guys wear their helmets stupidly sometimes to the point where it's really easy to knock it yeah. off.
1: So here's here's where I do have a minor problem with it. They're grown us men, and no one's getting hit in the warm up. This is true. So, like, while I completely understand the, if your helmet falls off, you got to go off, I don't like it, but that's, like, the old fan wanting fighting to be around. Right. I don't like that fighting it, But it is makes gone, sense. But it makes sense. Yes. I don't like that it's gone, but it makes sense. Because if that guy gets dummied or
0: even, God forbid, trips on a stick, smashes happen. his head on the ice. Shouldn't have
1: happened. Yeah. Or, yeah.
0: Right? <laughs> so. so,
1: but as far as warm-up is concerned, man, these guys are literally out there Taking selfies and shit. Yeah, with flipping pucks around, flipping pucks. Yeah, leave them alone. Give they don't break. need the fucking helmet out there. There might be a little too much
0: uh, nanny state bullshit.
1: <laughs> Last one from Velli's article here. They're they're looking at specifically adding the word slamming to the definition of roughing. So the slamming of a player down onto the ice, much right. the way that we saw Elias Pettersson. Right. So the get hit injured. that
0: ends up being more than a hit, like the hit where the follow through is is basically thrusting a player towards the ice. Yeah. The yeah. hit.
1: The hit followed by the rock bottom.
0: Right. So whereas the hit can be clean, <laughs> but the roughing occurs almost after the hit. Yeah. Because the way you followed it through. Yeah, your okay. fo- it,
1: Yeah, I like that. Your follow through. Yeah. If you follow through with a rock bottom. It's it's a penalty. Yeah, like, I'm never big on more ways to call
0: penalties, but that is definitely something that makes sense and uh, offer that different, uh, differentiating between it, the hit and then the act of roughing, because you know your initial reaction when you see might see a penalty called on such a play, you're like what's wrong with that hit. And then yeah. you just get the slow-mo, and you're like, oh, actually, he Look pretty at much bottle-slammed the guy, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So, okay, so we'll wrap that up, uh, dude. Uh, anything else on, on the CBA or um, on the GM meetings? That's what I was going to say. The the CBA negotiations are going to be updated, so I'm really looking forward to... Yeah,
0: might have some more news for next week.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing exactly where we're going there. Um, <clears throat> both LeBron and Saravelli were pointing out the fact that this particular uh GM meeting, even though it feels like we are entering a moment where things are gonna change, you know, such as the slamming rule and the helmets and the clocks and the boards like these are these are pretty substantial changes, but there's not really a whole lot to be considered about the actual game itself.
0: It's not going to have a drastic impact on the game. We're not yeah. talking fundamental like in 2004. So right, like what we saw and even with a couple uh you know the the really clamping down on the hooking and holding. I mean, it happened in 04, but it's happened even more so in the last since the most recent lockout.
1: Yeah, they took the red line out back then. They eliminated the clutch and grab, as you say. They, yeah. they
0: were playing catch-up, essentially, at yeah. that point. But I think they have the game in the right direction and doing the right thing. They have the offenses up, the scorings up. Uh, the fighting's down. I mean, from, from their marketing perspective, this is where they want it to go. So I like I said, don't see anything crazy coming down the pipe.
1: Oh, I just saw my phone here. I, I had this up cause I wanted uh, to give the listeners a shout out. I was telling you about this before. I want you guys to go on Twitter, um, and check out this, uh, this series of tweets, uh, from a guy named Ryan, uh, his Twitter handle is at Ryan classic
0: We'll throw a retweet on that. yeah
1: yeah I will uh, it's it's insane dude I well I read you a bunch of them right like it's basically a bullet point uh, several tweets there must be 25 tweets in a row and it's every single thing that happened, whether it was big in the media or small in the media. Mostly negative. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I mean like some of these were blown up and everyone knew about it and others were pretty quiet. Yeah,
0: some of the stuff I heard for the first time. Me too. Or
1: may have heard, not, but not a lot about it. Me too. So anyway, uh, you guys should check that out. We'll retweet it. Um, And then the last one that I wanted to bring up here, Lesko, was that the – I didn't know this, but in 2004 at the Board of Governors meetings, the – idea to introduce a 3 point regulation victory was 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 brought up back in 2004. So they had a big list of all the things that were discussed in 2004. The meetings were so successful, everything that they proposed actually happened except for one thing. And that one thing was 3 points mm-hmm. for a, for a regulation victory. So I thought that was really interesting if they're going to hash that back out right now. What does that mean? Does that mean that it's more likely to happen, or what would you think? That's yeah, a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how much uh, how serious of a conversation they're actually having around that because, like you said earlier, it's that's a very significant change that would have a very significant impact, and I think you'd almost have to crunch a lot of numbers and run through a lot of scenarios before you could uh, uh, be able to assess the impact it would have yeah on the, good on the point. game and standing yeah that's
1: a good point because you'd have to you need that data that's not something that you can just say okay well, let's see know, what happens type
0: thing yeah you
1: could ruin franchises you know long-standing playoff yeah. runs or whatever i think the they're mostly
0: concerned about its effect on parity, of course too because we know yeah. how big they are on that
1: good point but i mean that is such a long time ago that i i, I highly i highly doubt they were saying all right let's take 17 years and see and see how it goes and then we'll make a decision Mm -hmm. you know so anyhow uh so that we'll wrap that up for the first segment we've got uh about 20 minutes or so uh with time left to uh talk about some leafs when we come back not sure if we'll take that much time to do so but we got lots to talk about namely the return of a lying traitorous snake All right, we're back here on the Pucks and Deep podcast once again. Episode twenty-four underway here, well underway. We're going to wrap up this uh, podcast with some leaf talk as we normally do, and I don't know about you, Lesko, but I I've been hearing from some uh, from some pretty committed listeners that they're they're enjoying our format, which I know you and I we deliberated with, eh? Like we are, well, we didn't argue, but we were really we didn't know how we wanted to approach it. And I think we made the right call kind of do the NHL news and notes, get everybody all wrapped up. Everything's good to go. And then boom, do some leaf shit at the end. So, and these were non leaf ends by the way, which I thought was even extra interesting. Cause the one guy said, you know, if you want to stick around and hear what the guys have to say about the Leafs, then you do. And if you don't, then you don't have to. And at least that way we don't kind of shove it in the middle of the podcast. And then mm-hmm. you, you might miss it, you know? So we save it to the end. Hopefully you guys are liking it. And, uh, what do you think, Lesko? it's you hard hear sometimes. It it's sometimes. to wait?
0: Well, sometimes we're like you. Know, we're going through a conversation, and it's always like, well, how does this relate back to oh, the Leafs? Yeah. So how does this affect the Leafs? Because a lot of examples that might come up in our heads involve the Leafs because we follow them so very closely. But no, I've had I've had positive feedback as well from Sens fans, Habs fans, uh, you know, guys that. Are interested in listening to the Leafs' takes simply because we're not just fanboying it all yeah, the time. Yeah. Um. Sometimes we are, and, and sometimes you might hear the bias, and we might not notice it ourselves. Right. Well, we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we're. It's not like we're just sitting here talking about you know how they're the greatest team on the planet and nobody can John touch Tavares them. And they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, we <laughs> might say some fun things and poke fun at the fan base and the how excited we get over certain things. But, you know, we're as much of a part of it as we are trying to be uh, objective when it when the time calls for it.
1: Yeah, you're right about that too, and I like what you touched on earlier. It, it can be difficult because sometimes something will come up and we'll be like, well, you know, uh, the Leafs, well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, it's easy to go into a leaf sidebar. <laughs> yeah, it's very simple because you're right. We got our hands on it, right? So anything as it relates, it always kind of comes back to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, yeah, I agree. I agree with you, and I agree with some of the listeners that – we're, um, we're saying that they like it, that uh, you know, we, we kind of tend to stay off the bias as, as best we can, but it's Leaf segment, so fuck it. Goalies, go. Buds all day. Buds all day, baby. Where do you want to take us first?
0: Uh, well, I guess we got to go back to last week, Thursday night. Uh, we really hyped up this game, and unfortunately it fell flat on uh, our faces if you're a Maple Leaf fan. Uh, my initial take, I guess, on this game was, you know, well, it was kind of it was kind of cool i mean the nasa was rocking uh, oh my heart was going they had the you know the building was rocking the fans were going absolutely nuts maybe no, not maybe. Definitely over the top. A little bit aggressive. But I just I Definitely. enjoyed it as a hockey fan because of how engaged they were. And the teams responded initially. They were both flying. Oh, yeah. All four lines were rolling out there, and guys were finishing their checks. It was a very playoff-like atmosphere. Oh, extremely. And I low loved. scoring
1: to start, right? It wasn't yeah. like, oh, goal off the bat. Oh, another goal. I mean, fuck the whole first period, no goal. Yeah. Like, it was an interesting game.
0: And then it just... The wheels came off, like and and unfortunately, the TSN turning point is one of our favorite things that we talk about quite frequently. in an offside review that really changed the the fortune of the game and the outlook of the game because the Leafs had finally uh, looked like they were grasping some momentum, oh, whereas sure. the Islanders seemed to have it most of the game based on you know the what they were getting out of the crowd and out of the atmosphere. And after that, I mean, they just, they just curled up and rolled over. And it was very disappointing. It was one of the first games I think I've turned off this year as well. Uh, it, I think it was early in the third period. My wife says to me, she's like, do you, do you like torture? Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there stone-faced, pissed off, right? Trying to keep my hot takes off Twitter for five minutes. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't I, know, I, I so, I'm trying not to read too much into one game, but my initial reaction was, this was a big game, this was monumental, and I feel like the boys should have been better for Johnny T, they should have been better for the fans, and be given the circumstances and the, the pressure and everything, I just wanted to see them rise to the occasion better. Now... I don't think we should be extending this to what may happen in the playoff series or another intense game down the road. I just personally would have liked to seen a little more because obviously they only played not even the, half the game. It seemed.
1: Well, they barely played a half a game the night before against Edmonton. True, a goddamn AHL team with one superstar. <laughs> I guess two. Dryside. Yeah, score.
0: Dry will scored that nice goal,
1: but like. I got two things. I got two things here. One, Babcock fucked us. From the from the word go.
0: Yeah, we did talk about this you talked about the start, right? When
1: I found out Wednesday afternoon around two or two thirty, and I have Freddie Anderson in one of my fantasy pools. So I get an alert when he is confirmed as the starter. And I got an alert. Freddie Anderson confirmed confirmed starting tonight versus Edmonton. I go, Well, there goes JT. There goes the JT night. And yeah, if you want to call me a bad fan for having zero confidence in Garrett Sparks, then fucking send me a postcard (laughs) because I have zero confidence in Garrett Sparks. I'm saying to my friends, well, the reason why Babcock is fucking us is because he's basically giving at least three, maybe four to the island just by having him in there. And I'm not saying he's going to let in four shitty goals. That's not my point. He's just going to let in four goals.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting because Sparks, actually, I found he he weathered the storm pretty well. Um, he up was until, good early. Up until the wheels fell off where the whole team just kind of rolled over and hung him out to dry. Well, that's my uh, second but, thing
1: was the offside.
0: But, I mean, we talked about it in the, in the last episode. Um, bit of a head-scratcher there for fans in seeing that, you know, I know Babcock doesn't want to buy into all the narratives and the hype and everything, but that was a big fucking game. It was huge. And, I mean, Edmonton, come on, like, Come on. Last, like, look, look at the opponents. you got a team that's leading their division and a team that's near, pretty near a basement in the NHL. the
1: and, and, and Different conferences, man. Like, that's How right. often do we always say, well, it was against the West, who cares? Mm-hmm. Or when there's a West versus East team elsewhere in the NHL, I don't care who it is. I'm always cheering for the West. Yeah,
0: I would love to have heard the rationale. I know coaches don't like to get into it, but I really would have loved to hear, hear a good explanation as to why
1: they well, made the that ex- choice. Well, the explanation is Babs always does that. It's yeah. it's always it's always the starter gets the first, the one, first one and the backup gets the second one. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. Like I am fine if that's going to be your style or your tendency, or maybe it's a religion for you. Ever since I started coaching at the minor league level, I always played my starters. Because it's about the
0: rest after that game, too, in the lead-up to the next game, right? Right. I agree. But if there was a time... It was now. It was now, yeah. It
1: was now, man. Like, oh, my God. And then, of course, now it only looks worse because they beat a 6-1. But realistically, if it were not for an eighth of a fucking inch, (laughs) it would have been 2-2 and we would have had the whole we would have had the whole game by the balls if well, that they, Hyman goal counts.
0: They were fired right up whole, by that goal I as was well. Cuz that was a very nice goal too and yeah, it was. goes back to what we've said numerous times on this show. I mean it's the NHL loves to find ways to take away goals and and there's a very important goal in uh you know in terms of playoff implications not a very super important game but it turned out to be because of the storylines, right? Yeah, of course. Um and you know what like to get back to the fans as well. Being over the top, you know. I get it. The whole thing. I bought my ticket. I got my right to do whatever the fuck. I, you don't have the right to fucking. People are flipping him the bird. People are fucking calling him a fucking traitor. I didn't. What the hell was the "Who's Your Daddy" chant? What the fuck is I that? Know, like, I, I know a bunch of losers. Like, and people throwing <laughs> shit. Come on. Like they were talking about uh, the Leafs having serious concern for the security of the team because there was so much talk of people wanting to throw shit at John John Tavares and. Like what Would I don't get that? that.
1: Would you see that that guy that fired the jersey at him as he walked off the ice there? Yeah. Like that's
0: that's terrible serious, fucking
1: throw by the way.
0: Serious serious scumbag shit. Must right be there. a Mets fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like it was a terrible throw, it was nowhere near him, but like I mean boo I'm okay with booing. I'm okay with booing. I'm okay with chanting. Mm-hmm. because these are things in sports. Yeah, but you it's start getting into
0: throwing shit. like That's, that's some assault. dumb, dumb shit right there. I'm not going
1: to call it assault. You're not going to call the cops, but I'm just saying when you boil it right down, it's assault.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's just absolutely unacceptable. And They should be embarrassed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They should absolutely be embarrassed for themselves. And what's even more embarrassing about it is your team shows up, fills a building, cheers louder, for one game against a player, <laughs> one game. than they do for their own
1: team. Yeah, one time.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> they put more effort into one game than it seems they've had all of the year. Because guess who the fuck is last in the NHL in attendance? Well, the it's... fucking New York Islanders. Yeah. That... So you guys, you guys want to uh, you want to have fun in hockey games? Why don't you show up to them more often?
1: Yeah, it's true. Now I do want to point out, and I just have to for argument's sake, they have a horrible. Attendance record because of the fact that the Coliseum can only host like thirteen five. There's that and Barclays
0: Center is, is the worst is non is not a hockey facility
1: exactly yeah. There's obstructed views at the Barclays Center, but yeah. what I'm saying is the Islanders would not be last in attendance uh, if it weren't for the small capacity yeah. size. But I mean, uh, they, average, they
0: average less fans per game and the Barclays Center can hold much more too, right? Oh God, so yeah. Oh yeah, the, there's
1: still a huge problem at the Barclays Center, but I, I guess all I'm trying to say here is let's, let's pretend that Nassau had 18,000 they'd probably have 15. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. They wouldn't be at 12 or whatever they are. Yeah. Like, it's really, really low because the building is very, very small. It's and a, they play 41 games there. It's a really good or, example excuse me, of not how, 41, I guess 19 games there.
0: It's a really good example of how, you know, fake outrage and all that shit on the internet can really whip people up into a frenzy. And it was like, it was like a... Almost a Twitter-like mob, mob yeah. environment going on there. <laughs> like it's, you can imagine the type of shit that gets thrown on on players on social media, and it's almost like people just got out from behind the keyboard, showed up to yeah. the rink, and started giving it to him there.
1: Which is fine. Again, I I, I think that's it's fine. Great. But there's a line. Like there's, there's a, a, line. a point
0: where yeah, it becomes it. just classless, stupid behavior. Yeah. And and that's where you know I agree, like I said, agree with Avery on that. Take. I know
1: I was laughing earlier as you were talking. It wasn't a laughing moment, but I was laughing. I had to turn my mic down and cough. I was laughing so hard because you're you are mad and you're just like. Fucking losers <laughs> It's like the exact same thing that Avery was saying as he was talking to his camera and you didn't even see that Avery video. Yeah, like
0: and, and I it goes back to and I know a lot of people are using this this story as a comparison, but Matt Sandin refused to waive his na- no trade, left the leafs Um, Went and signed Vancouver. He he scored the shootout winner in his first game back in Toronto, and the fucking Leafs fans were giving him a standing O and cheering him. Standing O. So you want to talk about, oh, you would do that in this situation? No. Like, there's a difference here. We're talking about, you know, hockey fans and the way they behave in an arena. And like we said, it's okay to be pissed off, but still – Show have some fucking
1: self-respect, okay? Self-respect is where it is. Not have some respect because you don't have to respect JT. You don't have to. That's right. I mean, you probably should given everything that But there's did human for respect the that you
0: ex- extend to human beings.
1: Yes. And I don't care what
0: what your situation you're in a football game, hockey game, in the street, in the workplace, wherever. You don't treat people... That way. That way. And I, I think agree. that's what... And if there's a, there was a point in time where Tavares was fucking thankfully left... It's probably that because he's oh, like, God, Jesus yeah. Christ. He's like, look what, at these people. What is this shit? Savages. You know, like what would have happened to him? Say that something bad happened to him. Uh, you know, they lost uh, a game seven OT because he, he blew, blew, it blew, up. A, blew a tire. And yeah. what, were they going to treat him like that too? Probably burn you know his I mean?
1: fucking house down.
0: Yeah. So the positive part of this story that we'll bring up is that there was a movement online that was born out of that game of Leaf fans saying JT Day and T.O. is Saturday. We're going to welcome this guy back proper. And then it looked like the team got behind it too, because during the intros for the staring lineup, there was only one player on the ice.
1: Yeah, they and all that backed was up.
0: Fucking Johnny Toronto.
1: That was great.
0: And that was that was a great moment. I actually just got the game on in time. I was up visiting some family there in North Bay and watching the game with a bunch of Leafers. And it was just uh it was one of those stand your hair up on the back of your yeah. neck type moments. Just to to hear that building light up like that and 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 really celebrate them and. Kind of give him a pat on the back and yeah. show his your appreciation. We love you. Like that's we love you. that's the beauty of hockey fans, right there. You can see asinine behavior, but you can also see you see moments like that. And he in, he responded. He goes out and scores the first. Game I know, goal of and that a game. hard-working goal. And what a sell! like he doesn't often sell. super aggressively, but he was pumped. Yeah.
1: Well, it was a big deal for him. I feel just that next goal, regardless of where it was or what fucking day it happened on. I just think it was going to be a nice way for himself to blow off some steam in a natural environment. And move on a
0: little bit from yeah. what just happened because not only was it a terrible place for him to be, but it was also a terrible game for the Leafs. So oh. you wanted to move past that. Um,
1: speaking of terrible games, um, I, how badly do you feel just moments after you realize that the goal isn't counting? Like uh, I hate my fucking life oh, it's, when it happens. It's disgusting and dejecting because
0: you just sell too so hard. I just sell so hard for a beautiful goal. With high fives getting thrown around.
1: Hyman, <laughs> my boy. I know. Who's got and 15 no, goals this year? No, I too. can't
0: even fucking enjoy it. Oh, just it really put a sour taste in our, in God. all our mouths there. When, it's
1: like football because you know the the touchdown. You know touchdown Giants or whatever, and then everyone's looking around
0: because there's 40 flags on the field. Everyone's looking like, around because
1: all is it count. Can I cheer? Like, it just brings me back to my breaking the plane thing, man. I just want them to break the plane. Is it that hard to ask? Can we break the plane, please, so that no matter what, I'm cheering? hmm Because...
0: It's you'll, not you'll, coming back. The only time right it away. ever comes
1: back is if the referee waves it off yeah. on the spot. You'll know right away, or yeah, or if we do know right away. Oh, he kicked it in. He kicked it in. Then they go upstairs. Yeah. Or he he hit it with a high stick. No, come on. Then they go yeah. upstairs. But we don't know if it was offside at the time of the entry.
0: Yeah, I'm just. And sometimes
1: we don't even know if it was offside after review, man. Yeah,
0: and I'm still, I'm still like, uh, you know, especially when the networks don't have the, uh, the proper angles that that. That the NHL is actually looking at, but I'm still a big proponent of get it the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, why don't they
1: give us that 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 view? We're not allowed to have it until until the call is made. Yeah, I what,
0: what's gonna happen? I don't understand that logic. I'm gonna
1: sit in my basement and do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: like, like, next thing you know, like what are we gonna do next? <laughs> are we gonna bring in that fucking stupid golf rule where you can call in rule people breaking the rules oh. and shit? Like. Was that what's gonna be next fan reviews because like fan reviews give me a break like I'm still sticking with getting the hell rid of it
1: <laughs> yeah so Johnny T actually uh, one goal shy of his uh, of his career high and I remember going into that game I think I wrote on Facebook basically it was just minutes after I had learned that Garrett Sparks was gonna start against the Islanders I said well John You've got Garrett Sparks tomorrow. You've got no Jake. You've got no Naz. You've got no Dermot. I said, good luck. It could be a fucking long one. Then I went down yeah. a couple of lines and I said, on a positive note, there is a chance that he could not only tie, but maybe surpass his career, his high, career high, which would have been a Hattie, which would have been so sick, but instead... The Islanders got their start. I really
0: wanted to see them tear that place apart if he put on a clinic and and won because it would have been great to kind of see the reaction. I know he, uh, um, you know he, he had he had a decent game uh, up until when the like I said the whole team basically yeah, fell apart. Um, so it was pretty frustrating. Uh, that
1: third goal was a backbreaker.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it wasn't and it great was, on Sparks. Yeah, and especially after it uh, – was that the shorty? That one was the shorty, wasn't it? I think it? so, yeah. yeah. right at the end of the power play, too. It was just a shit goal to give up, and it yeah. was – I don't know what happened. Muzzin looked like he was, like, checking out some broad in the stands or something <laughs> while he was trying to catch a pass. Okay. Tough goal there without Gardner and Dermott, though. You definitely see the the guys getting tested. I mean, Marinson was just – skating in circles there he was out to lunch and I understand you know what what possible expectations could you play on a guy who's barely played NHL games over the last two years Uh, it made me want to do some digging on Callie Rosen to see what his situation was uh, one of the tweets I read today indicated that he still can't put his foot in a skate, which I believe is a requirement to play hockey.
1: That's not a good thing, I don't think. Not a good thing. Yeah. I can believe. they get a bigger skate? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like a giant, you know, triple E width. Yeah. And can, like, we, can we
0: accommodate his swollen foot somehow? Well, we
1: accommodate fucking Zinino Chera for being a monster. <laughs> yeah, Why can't we accommodate this one of his guy? skates? <laughs> yeah. He just has a swollen foot. Big deal.
0: Yeah, I know. It's. it's uh, I'm sure they're they're knocking on his door every day to find out you know how long because it it appears that we're missing Dermot for at least a month. So the unfortunate thing about that too, I felt he was playing phenomenal and really uh, getting better with each passing game, and to have him come back say game one in the playoffs, you you have to keep your manage your expectations and keep them low.
1: Well, I mean, what are we? We're probably somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty six, thirty seven days away. Uh, from the start of the uh, NHL playoffs. We're 33 days away from the conclusion of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be close. It's going to be real close. I think he might even just be back final game of the regular season. Is that a possibility? If,
0: if he's lucky and you know, I hope this is where the uh, sports science guys and the doctors and the training staff make their money here is is getting these guys ready because uh we already have as we've seen with Austin Matthews and and even in the case of Neilander even though it wasn't an injury it's
1: hard to hit the ground running in today's NHL oh you better believe it well especially when everybody around you is like no one's slowing down no one's waiting for you uh the snail race is over as far as the western conference is concerned we're seeing some teams you know take control of their own fate uh eastern conference as well we're seeing some teams be real hot you know you talked about the uh, <clears throat> excuse me the Carolina Hurricanes earlier, um, you're right. When you come back, no, no one's no one's letting you put your toes in the water first. They're fucking throwing you in. Yeah, there's first. there's no easy swim, bitch. It. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's no real good way to ease into it. And uh, I mean, you can practice as much as you want and do whatever, and even there's nothing that compares to it. I mean, even preseason hockey is not even close. No, it's just good to get experience. your yeah. get your
1: muscles moving, I guess. But yeah, a couple uh,
0: interesting stats I I wanted to bring up though about the Leafs that I stumble across on Twitter every once in a while, I like to save some interesting shit. Uh, this one comes from Lance Hornby, who covers the Leafs for the Toronto Sun. Uh, fuck the Toronto Sun though, because they're a garbage newspaper. Garbage. Uh, three straight forty win seasons for Babcock, first Leafs coach to do that since Pat Quinn. Which oh. makes a lot of sense because I like Pat Quinn. I don't think they've won over forty games since fucking Pat Quinn. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And then the other one was Mitch Marner and Johnny Tier, the first set of Leafs teammates with seventy plus points since Matt Sundin and Alex McGillney did it sixteen years ago, oh, which would have been under Pat Quinn as
1: well. That's right. That would have been when Kyle Wellwood was making his name, getting sat, getting just benched, getting in there, yeah, getting just benched getting by, by Pat Quinn. There.
0: Yeah. So and. Uh, I have some pretty fond memories of that team. I know you do too. Some of the, the deeper playoff runs we've seen in our lifetime. And uh, I remember McGillney too. Just I know it was a little later on in his career, but still just uh, like otherworldly set of skills on this guy. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, he was a little long in the tooth when he came over, but that didn't... Uh... That didn't really slow him down. Yeah, much. and you're lined up
0: with Gary Roberts and Matt Sundin. That's uh, that's a you're, pretty fine looking line. Yeah, there. you're probably going to be safe. Yeah, right? so, there's some big boys.
1: Not that Sundin would throw down, but I mean Roberts. Obviously, we know what kind of conditioning level that guy had and still has. That's right uh, to this day. And that's why freak. so many players go and see him. Right, absolutely uh, for conditioning. So. All right, brother. You got anything else for us, or what? That's all I got for today. All right, I was going to do a little bit of. Uh, I was going to do a little bit of fantasy here. Just, uh, just some scheduling notes. Uh, obviously, if you're in the Yahoo pools, your playoffs begin tonight. So, with that in mind, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of information on the quarterfinals, which run from March 4th to March 10th, which is, of course, this upcoming Sunday. Just two tidbits of information for you guys: um, the four teams that have a terrible schedule. They only play two games. Is Chicago, Nashville, Philly, and San Jose? Chicago, Nashville, Philly, San Jose. If you can get out of a player or two in that or on those teams, you're going to be adding man. Excuse me, adding man games uh, to your to your schedule, and you can pick up one of the one of the following teams that has four games: Anaheim, Boston, Calgary, Detroit. Florida, LA, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, Boston, Calgary, Detroit, Florida, LA, Pittsburgh. They all play four games, but the most important one for sure is the two gamers. I mean, Chicago, Nashville, Philly, San Jose. I deliberated. Let's go. It must've been, it must've been 25 minutes today at work. I sat at my computer and I fucking stared at Timo Meyer's name. I stared at Timo Meyer's name for like, is he not owned in your league? Of course he is. He's on my team. Yeah, he's on my team. But he only plays two games, no. and uh, it's like Tuesday, Saturday, when I'm all, I'm also sitting people. Like I'm thinking to myself, man, why don't I pick up fucking someone on Anaheim? Anaheim goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So now, like I'm adding so many man games, but I can't bring myself to drop Timo Meyer. He scored his last two games.
0: Yeah, it's one of those situations where you don't want to get too carried away with the waiver pickups, Exactly.
1: Right? Yeah, you don't want to ex- But you know I'm sure what?
0: there's lots of Anaheim guys out there. Yeah,
1: you're right. But that is honestly that is exactly why I didn't do it because it's like, you know what? There's there is such a thing as overmanaging in mm-hmm. fantasy. And I think that's what this would have been. Yeah. Uh but one thing I did want to point out of the of the bunch of teams that play four games, the best out of that list by far are the Boston Bruins. Boston has Three home games and one road game. And they're Carolina, Florida, Ottawa, Pittsburgh. These are high-scoring games. These are high-scoring games that Boston is going to get into. And if I was dropping someone, it was going to be Meyer. And if I was picking anybody up, it was going to be Jake DeBrusque. And there's my little note that I made right there on Jake DeBrusque. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday for Jake DeBrusque and the Boston Bruins. So, So there you have it, folks. Uh, drop some Blackhawks Drop some Predators Drop some Flyers Drop some Sharks And add some Boston Bruins uh, Last little tidbit before you actually Of course because it's playoffs And streaming goaltender starts is extremely important uh, The following teams do experience back-to-backs this week So likely the backup goaltender will see a start Boston, Carolina, LA, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and the Vegas Golden Knights, who I have circled because Malcolm Subban has won his last two starts with the Vegas Golden Knights. And they're playing some pretty strong hockey coming down the stretch.
0: Hey, Mark andre Furry, uh, first star of the week last week with uh, 3-0 and a couple of shutties, I think, as well.
1: Right on, right on. So good luck uh, this week in your fantasy, uh, fantasy battles. Maybe hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you're appreciating the feedback and the uh, information that I bring to you on a weekly basis. Maybe I should ramp it up a bit. Or maybe you don't give a fuck at all. Either way, we want to hear about it. Follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, at Coleman42, at Go Adam, and we'll see you again next week.